How many people are ready for God's word? Come on, how many people are ready for God's word? Just a huge shout out welcome to people who are watching online this morning, right here in the city of Ottawa and across our province, our nation, and honestly, globally around the world, people that join in every Sunday. And we're so honored that you've chosen to be a part of this experience. Well, I want you to pull out your sermon notes. They are on the back of your bulletin or you can pull them up on your handheld device. And we're in our January sermon series that we're simply calling it, God Didn't Say That. And we're just exploring some sayings that we use to try to encourage people that kind of God really didn't say that. And the one we're gonna look at this morning is, is one that, it's the biggie, it's the one I hear way too often, and it's this, you look at someone sincerely, and you say, well, you know, God wants you to be happy. And uh, so if you follow that line for a little bit, I mean, here it is, you begin to think that whatever makes me happy is good, and whatever makes me sad is bad, and then you take another leap, whatever makes me happy, it has to be God, doesn't it? Because it makes me happy. And if it doesn't make me happy, it's not God. And then when you layer it a little farther, you begin to treat God like he's this cosmic Coke machine. Put your money in, push the button, get whatever you want. And you begin to feel like God is here for you. But the truth is, we're here for God. And so I want to talk to you this morning about this expression that we use, God wants to make you happy. And I want to make a declaration this morning. I honestly believe from the bottom of my heart that God is more interested in your holiness than your happiness. And we're going to discover today that the gateway to happiness is through the rediscovery of holiness. And I think the challenge is today, we don't really understand what holiness means. We, we think we might, but we don't truly understand what it means. In fact, we sometimes think it's this Old Testament boring thing. And come on, Mark, get out of the Old Testament. Get me into the New Testament. Holiness is only for that Old Testament uh, books. It's not for we as New Testament believers. And we think it's this boring thing. And we're going to rediscover today that there's something called joyful holiness. And so I want to walk you through a journey this morning about the holiness of God. So let's start, not in your notes, but let me give you, first of all, a bit of a definition of of holiness. And there's two things that immediately come to my mind when I think of holiness. Number, Number one, holiness is absolute perfection. I mean, it's absolute perfection. You're like, well, Mark, I'm not perfect. No, no, you're not. And I'm not perfect. We're not perfect. But God is perfect. And holiness speaks of absolute perfection. The second thing that holiness speaks of is the total absence of sin. I mean, there's absolutely no sin. And the total absence of sin speaks of his holiness. And the absolute perfection speaks of of his holiness. I mean, it is a characteristic of God. Now, here's what I want you to hear. All the attributes of God flow from the holiness of God. The key attribute, the key characteristic, the key description of God is that he is a a holy God. There's no sin in him. He never sinned. He cannot sin. He will not sin. He has never made a mistake, and he will never make a mistake. God is a holy God. Sometimes we look at ourselves, or, well, I'm, I'm, I'm not sinless. Well, you will never be sinless this side of eternity. But my prayer in 2020 as we progress is not that we would be sinless, but we would actually sin less. God wants to shape holiness in our life. 
God wants holiness to be modeled in our life. God wants us to rub shoulder with his holiness, and he wants us to drip with holiness. You see, I'm convinced that when we truly rediscover holiness, we will greatly impact our city. We will greatly impact our nation. We will greatly impact this world. So allow me today to walk you on a journey of rediscovering God's holiness. If you want happiness, the doorway is holiness. I want you to take your Bible with me this morning for a couple of moments to a New Testament book. It's right near the end of the Bible, and it's a, a book that is written by Peter, 1 Peter, 2 Peter. We're going to look at 1 Peter chapter 1, and I want to read to you verse 13 down to verse 16, where Peter gives us some teaching on the holiness of God. He said in verse 13, therefore, with minds that are alert and fully sober, set your hope on the grace to be brought to you when Jesus Christ is revealed at his coming. As obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance. But just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. For it is written, be holy because I am holy. Would you bow your heads with me? Father God, I'm asking that you would give everyone in this auditorium main level risers and balcony and everyone that is watching on live streaming ears to hear and hearts to receive. I'm asking God that nothing would distract us from, from rediscovering your holiness and how it can change our lives and how it can change our community. And I'm asking God that your word that is already alive would speak to us and challenge us. So we love you, God. And I'm asking God, you'd help me to share what I believe you want me to share today. I ask it in Jesus name. Nobody whispered. Everybody shouted. Amen. Nobody whispered. Everybody shouted. Amen. Come on, put your hands together and celebrate our Lord God again this morning in this place. Well, I want to unpack for you today five things. Five things that it will take as we're on a journey of rediscovering the holiness of God. And the first thing, number one, it will actually take a new mindset. Number one, it's going to take a new mindset. Peter in verse 13 said, therefore, with minds that are alert, therefore, minds that are alert. Another translation says, prepare, prepare your minds for action. I mean, it's a militant command. It's like Peter's picking up the illustration of a, of, of a captain speaking to his soldiers. Prepare yourself for battle. Make sure that you're ready. So I went back to the original Greek because I want to see what it originally says because these are translations. And in the original Greek, if you transliterate it word for word, it actually says, gird up the loins of your mind. So here's what I want you to do today. I want you to go home and gird up the loins of your mind. And you're like, gird up the loins of my mind? I have no clue what you're talking about. Well, in those days, gird up your loins was something that a captain would actually say to his soldiers when they're ready to go up to battle, gird up your loins. You're no farther ahead, are you? You see, in those days, men would wear these long flowing robes. They weren't wearing black dress pants or khaki pants or jeans. They, they were wearing these long flowing ropes that literally went to the ground and would drag on the ground. So if a soldier was trying to run with his long flowing rope, he would trip on it and he, was, he would fall. So the ancient wording was gird up your loins, tuck your robe into your belt. 
so that you can run better in the battle, so you could fight better in the battle. And Peter picks up that analogy, which everybody in that day understood. And he said, he said, if you want to, if you want to rediscover holiness, you've got to gird up the loins of your mind. Not, not your garment, but of your mind. Now think about your mind. Every action begins as a thought in your mind. And you all know that there's times that our mind goes to places it shouldn't go. You see, in 2020, as we began this year, something has been convicting in my heart to be more intentional about my life. I don't want to sit on, on, on the banks of a river watching my life go by. I'm at a stage in life. I want to do only what God wants me to do. I want to be so intentional in my life. I believe that the will of God is not just location and vocation, but the true will of God begins with a character inside of us. But our minds go to places they shouldn't go. Your mind will go to worry. Your mind will go to anxiety. Your mind will think things that should never think. And what you think begins to lead out in your actions. And so Peter picks it up and he says, if you want to rediscover the holiness of God, you got to gird up the loins of your mind because your mind is getting loose and your mind needs to be brought together. Your mind needs to be held together. So if we're going to be in the army of God and if we're going to be the soldiers of God, because God's not called us to be an audience that sits. He's called us to be an army that fights for the kingdom of God. He calls us to be soldiers to impact this city and this nation and this world. But we got to start by girding up our minds. We got to bring our minds into check. Now, Paul picks up the same words when he was writing to a church in Ephesus. In Ephesians chapter 6, he talks about putting on the full armor of God. Write down Ephesians 6.14. Because in Ephesians 6.14, we're told that we're to stand firm with the belt of truth around our waist. That's the New International Version. But in the original Greek, if you transliterate it, he actually uses the same analogy of girding up your loins. And he says, stand firm, having girded up your loins with truth. And so I want to declare today as we connect Ephesians 6.14 with 1 Peter 1.13 to gird up the loins of our mind, we need the truth of God's word. I want to declare to you today that there's power in the word of God. Do you believe that today? How many people believe that there's power in the word of God? How many people believe that the word of God is not dead, but the word of God is alive? How many people believe it's sharper than any two-edged sword? How many people believe that the word of God is life-giving? And so we've got to take our thoughts and line it up under the word of God. What brings our minds into check is the truth of the living word of God. Somebody risk a little amen this morning. It's the word of God. I was chatting to someone in the lobby and before first service, and I met him a number of years ago at the gym I work at, and I've watched him in his new faith journey growing in God, and he was chatting to me before the first service. He said, you know, Mark, I'm 85% through the Bible. Come on, isn't that cool? He's read 85% of the Bible. And we started to talk about that, and we're in this 21 days with Jesus, and we challenge you to read the Word of God. And I don't know how you were raised, but, but in my home, my mom says, chew on your food. I mean, I don't, know, I don't know why I do this, but sometimes I eat so fast. And Pastor Marvin, you set the record for eating the fastest of all the pastors. And I think because you were raised in a family with your brothers that you had to get the food first, right? 
And uh, sometimes when we eat, we eat so quick. But how many people know we need to slow down and chew on the word of God and enjoy the word of God? How many people don't taste and see that the Lord is good and he is good? And so if you want to rediscover holiness, it will take a new mindset. We need to gird up the loins of our mind. Number one, a new mindset. Number two, it's going to take a new focus, a brand new rediscovery of a focus. And Peter said, Peter said, don't just have your minds that are alert, not just prepare your minds for action or gird up the loins of your mind. He calls us to be fully sober. And I looked at that Greek word and I saw another translation of it, wine less, fully sober, wine less. Now you might think that this is all about this, this, you know, abstinence, but it's deeper. It's deeper than alcohol consumption. But let me pause and say this. Have you ever seen someone who's drunk do stuff they should never have done and made a total fool of themselves? I, I have. Or you see someone who's drunk and they, they, they just, they just, they just, I mean, they're angry and they're violent. I mean, there's sometimes they're happy and they do crazy things or they're angry, they do stupid things. And an impaired because of alcohol can cause someone to do things they should never do, cause them to say things they should never say and act like they should never act. And so Peter picks it up and he uses a Greek word that has been translated wineless, but here it is. When you scrape deeper into the Greek word and because it's teaching on holiness, the Greek word tells us to, to, to be careful about anything anything that can impair our judgment, anything that can cloud our spiritual maturity, anything that can cloud us or impair us in our actions. It's, it's, a, it's a rich Greek word. And so Peter picks it up and it's been translated to be fully sober and, and also translated to be, to be wine less. But, but, but it's talking about anything that can cloud or impair our moral or our spiritual judgments or cause us to compromise or cause us to, to lower our standards. And Peter is saying, Peter is saying, first of all, you got to gird up the loins of your mind, but then you've got to be careful about anything that will cloud or impair your spiritual walk or your journey. So, so let me just get in our face this morning and be, be direct and be, and be honest and, and just be clear. And, and, and is there somebody in your life that is clouding your judgment, that is giving you advice that goes against God's words. And I've seen some godly people, well-meaning people, give advice to other believers that go against God's word. I mean, I mean, someone's complaining about their marriage. Oh, my husband this, my husband that, or, or my wife this, or my, my wife that. And, and without even knowing all the details, they, they, they rhyme out these words, just, just leave the bum. You know, leave him. He's, you, you deserve something better. I've got a word for this house this morning. We should never come between a husband and wife. We should be fighting for a marriage. We should be doing all we can to help a marriage thrive. We should be speaking words of life and not words of death. And sometimes our advice is, is speaking without knowing all. Come on, are you with me this morning? Sometimes we're speaking without knowing all the facts. Now, I know there's layers to that. I, I know that and I get that. But but the point is sometimes we speak too quick. Is there somebody? whose voice or advice you're listening to that is clouding your judgment. Oh, you know, God wants you to be happy. And I know you're unhappy in this. So just, 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 you know, just, just walk away and start over because God wants you to be happy. I read a quote 
a few years back that shook me. And it, it would take an entire sermon to unpack this. But this writer said, don't expect to be happy more than 50% of the time in your marriage. And I went, what? And as I began to read it, he used it for shock treatment because his teaching was God is more concerned about holiness than happiness. And the gateway to happiness is through the doorway of holiness. But is there somebody whose advice you're listening to that you need to, it's clouding you and it's, it's leading you away from God's word. Now, let me get more, more clear. Is there, is there something that you are watching that is clouding your advice? Let me just be honest. Most of what's on television today is garbage. And it's true. It's true. Most of what we watch is not pointing us to Jesus. It's, it's, it's foul. It's vulgar. It's sexual. It's violent. We wonder why we have a problem of violence with guns when every game kids get and every program they watch on TV is marked by violence. We wonder why people are, are, are promoting abortion and people are promoting end your life, you know, because that's the dignified thing to do because we've been in a culture that does not value life. It, it's always promoting violence. Uh, you need to guard what cartoons your children are watching. You need to be careful what books they are reading, what movies they they are watching. Is there something you are watching that is clouding and impairing your judgment? You need to be careful in Jesus' name. It's okay to give a little clap offering to the Lord or an ouch right now. Be careful. Who's speaking into your life? What are you watching? What are you listening to? What places are you going to that are not uplifting to you? Is there a place that you're going to that's clouding your judgment? Is there a place that you are going to that, that's impairing your moral compass, impairing your judgment? Is there somewhere you are going to that you shouldn't be going to? Is there somebody that you are hanging out with that is pulling you down? Are there things that you are watching? I can go on and on and on, and there's lots to this, but I think Peter is not just saying be wineless. He's saying, is there anything that is clouding your morality? clouding your spiritual judgment. You need to be aware of it. So number one, he talks about a new mindset. Number two, a new focus. And then there's number three, a new goal. In the latter part of verse 13, he said, set your hope on the grace to be brought to you when Jesus Christ is revealed at his coming. Set your hope on. I always marvel what people put their hope on, what they are hoping for. And here's what I hear often. I can't wait for retirement. I hear people say, I hate my job. I don't like what I'm doing. I can't wait till I'm 65 and I can just get my pension and retire. You may not make 65. If you don't like your job, change it. Do something about it. I'll tell you, if you're in something you don't like doing, you're miserable. And when you're miserable, your house is going to be miserable. Come on, do something about it. Is your hope retirement? I have people say, oh, my hope is paying off that. I can't wait till I pay off that mortgage. It's like you've arrived. You know, I've paid off the mortgage. Or other people go, I can't wait. I can't wait till I graduate. That's where my hope's set for. Other people say, I can't wait till I'm married. I'll tell you, if you're not happy before you're married, you're not going to be happy after you're married. 
I can't wait till I retire. I can't wait till we pay the mortgage. I can't wait until I can't wait until I can't. We set our eyes right here. Here's what Peter said. Peter said, if you want to rediscover holiness, look at the scripture. Set your hope on the grace to be brought to you when Jesus Christ is revealed at his coming. I tell you, we got to set our eyes on the prize and the prize is the soon imminent return of my Lord and my savior, Jesus Christ. You ought to give a little clap offering of praise to the Lord right now. It's all right. Now I'm going to show you something, why this became life to people in Peter's day, because in those days, marriages were arranged. And I think the church needs to go back to arranged marriage. I'm a parent. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Yeah, don't worry, I'm, I'm just kidding. In those days, parents would get together, arrange the marriage, and they'd get betrothed, pledged, and it'd be like they're married, but they're not living together. They'd wait a year. And then after a year, I mean, here's what went down for the year. The bride would stay with mom and dad. The groom would go to his parents' house, the house where he's raised. He would add an addition to his house. That's why Jesus said, in my father's house, there are many rooms. I've gone to prepare a room for you. That's why Jesus said it, because they understood the analogy of the groom getting the house ready to bring the bride. Doesn't that come to life? And at the end of the, end of the year, the groom would, would go to the bride's place. Now, in our culture, a wedding takes place at a certain time. Sometimes the bride's late, sometimes she's on time, but there's a time, an expected time for the wedding to start, but not in that culture. The bride would know the day, but the bride wouldn't know the time. She'd know that this was the day, or sometimes even it was a select few days, that the groom was coming. And so the bride would make herself ready because the groom is going to come at any moment. Might be now, might be later, might be six o'clock, might be seven, might be eight, might be nine. And she probably got up early and got herself ready for her groom that's coming back for her bride, coming for the bride to take the bride. And the groom would literally lift up the bride and take the bride on the procession into the house. And I'll tell you, church, the bride in that culture would make sure she's ready because the groom could come back at any moment. It might be six in the morning. It might be seven in the morning. I'll tell you, church, when you rediscover holiness, you live your life like Jesus could come back at any moment, any moment, any moment, any day, any hour. That's what Peter was saying. He's saying, fix your eyes on the prize. You got to have a new goal. Wouldn't it be cool if we didn't even get to point number four or five and my Jesus came back? Wouldn't it be cool? You, you don't, you don't, Really? We want point four. We want point five. Would it be cool if Jesus came back? Wait, now. Are you ready? Are you ready? Are you ready? When you rediscover holiness, you're living your life ready. Number one, a new mindset. Two, new focus. Three, new goal. Four, Number four, a new lifestyle. I want you to look at verse 14. Peter said, as obedient children. Obedience is greater than happiness. Holy people are obedient to their God, their Father. They obey the Father. They obey His truth. As obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance. Ignorance. 
And the Greek word for desires means passions. It, it, it means desires. It means lust, your evil passions, your, you, what's guiding you to be disobedient. And he said, as obedient children, do not conform. Don't outwardly live out the evil passions, desires you had when you lived in ignorance. I mean, before you came to Christ, you were walking in darkness. You come to Christ, you're living in light. Here's what I love. This is so cool. I love watching people grow in their walk with Jesus. And I love when Holy Spirit convicts them and the light goes on and they go, wow, I shouldn't be doing this. I need to get this right with God. You see, it's, it's kind of like we catch the fish. Like if you take the fisherman analogy, but God's the one that cleans them. Amen. And I love that God is still working on us. We're not perfect people. We will never be sinless. But here we go. With God's help, we can sin less. Now, I'm going to give you an analogy. Evelyn, you called me this week, or we were talking, and, you know, and she said, hey, next time you're talking to Don, and Don's a friend of ours, we know Don and his wife, I'm being vague with the name, but his name is Don, ask him if his son is on such and such a program, because I was watching it, and he looks just like Don. It's got to be his son, got to be. And I said, oh, honey, I, I know it's his boy, because Don told me his son's on this program. And it's kind of like, this is the younger version of Don. I mean, this is, this is like 20 years younger. He looks so much like his dad. Now, some of you, when I'm in the lobby and your little child is running through the lobby, I see little you. I mean, maybe a little less hair, but it's you. I see the smile. I see the walk. I mean, I, mean, I see it. And so, you know, like some father can look like, son can look like father. And, and, and Evelyn, there's been times in our marriage, and I don't think you mean it as a compliment necessarily, but you say to me, you're becoming so much like your father. And I've even heard my daughter-in-law and son, my son and daughter-in-law, they were in first service. I've even heard her say, you are becoming so much like your dad. Now, when she says that, that's good. All right. That's good. That's good. I, I know it's good. Work with me. I know it's good. Now, here's, here's where I'm going with this. Here's where I'm going. When the holiness of God is rediscovered, and it's a characteristic, it's an attribute of God, it's the key attribute, and everything flows from his holiness. His true love is a holy love because it's a perfect love. He's perfect in all of his ways. And holiness means absolute perfection. And holiness means the absence of sin. And when there's true, full love, there's no sin. It's all love. It's holy. It's perfect. It's complete. Everything flows from the holiness of God. And so here we are reading, let, let me bring it together. Peter said, as obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance. In other words, don't go back to the way you are. Don't slip back. Keep moving forward. Keep becoming more like the father. And just like an, an earthly father can look like biological father, Don's son looks a lot like Don. You know it. You, you know it. You know it. And your children can look like you. I, I pray. I pray. I pray that we would have a rediscover of God. It's holiness in our life. And the holiness in our life is more of God in our life and less of ourself. And when there's more of him in our life, what oozes out of the pores of our life and what we say and do is a replica of God. Here's what I pray. When your classmates see you, it's like they're seeing Jesus. When your neighbors see you, it's like they're seeing Jesus. When Ottawa sees us, it's like they're seeing Jesus. Now, from time to time, I have people saying to me, does so-and-so go to your church? Yeah, they go to our 
our church? Really? I didn't think Christians would do what they do. And I hang my hat. I hang my hat. I'll tell you what will change Ottawa, what will change your neighborhood and change the nation and change the world is when we rediscover holiness and holiness gets a hold of us and we become so much like God that when people see us, they see God coming through us in our words and in our actions. If we want to incarnate our city, incarnate our nation, incarnate our world, we got to rediscover the holiness of God. Now, now I'll tell you, when you get into the the full deal of happiness, you want to become more like the world. But when you rediscover holiness, you're going to want to become more like God. Now, write down 1 Peter 2, 9. I don't have time to elaborate on it. But in the same book, next chapter, Peter said, you are a chosen people. You're a royal priesthood. You're a a holy nation, your God's special possession, that you might declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. In the King James Version, it says you are a peculiar people. I'm telling you, Woodville, there needs to be something peculiar about us that when the world sees us, they don't see somebody in the darkness, but they see God shining through them. I'm hungering and I'm thirsting to become more like God. I can never be sinless, but by his spirit, I can grow to sin less. I will never be perfect. I will never have absolute perfection, but I pray by the end of 2020, I'm more like my God than I am right now. I want to keep moving to become more, more, more like God. When he's in me and flowing through me, we're going to change the world. Somebody give a little shout of amen. Praise the Lord. So I, we need a new mindset, a new focus, a new goal, a new lifestyle. But then there's number five. And I close with this, a new, a new standard. A new conduct, a new standard. And in verse 15 and 16, Peter quotes from Leviticus chapter 11 and chapter 19. And he says in verse 15, but just... As he who called you is holy. Now I want to push pause because you will never read these words in the Bible three times. Love, love, love. You'll never read grace, grace, grace. You'll never read mercy, mercy, mercy. But you will read holy, holy, holy. Isaiah chapter 6. You will read in the book of Revelation where the angel said, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Three times holy. Why? Because every other attribute flows from his holiness. And and Peter picks it up, put it back on the screen. But just as he who called you is holy. So be Holy in all you do. I don't want you to miss this. It says be holy. Everybody say be. One, two, three. Be. Be holy in all you do. Everybody say do. One, two, three. Do. Being comes before doing. 
When you focus on the doing first of holiness, it leads to legalness and judgmentalism. But when you focus on the being of holy, it leads to liberty and happiness. You see, the action of holiness begins with the transformation of holiness in our life. Before you can do, there must be the being of holiness in our life. And Peter, Peter said, be holy in all you do. Not, not just Sunday morning, 11 to 1230, put on your holy face and sing the holy songs and give your holy offering and lift your holy hands and give your holy amen and shake a few holy hands and listen to a little holy message. How many people know we need to be holy 24-7? I was hoping for an amen right there. I really was. How many people believe we need to be holy 24-7? We don't compartmentalize our life. Holy when I wake up. Holy when I have breakfast. Holy when I go to work or school. Holy when I'm driving in a traffic jam. Holy when I'm at the hockey game. Holy when I'm out with the friends. Holy when I come home to my family. Holy when I'm in the evening. Holy when I go to... Holy, holy, holy cannot be compartmentalized. It needs to invade. It needs to transcend into every area of our life. Peter said, just as he who called you is holy, be holy in all you do. For it's written, be holy. Because I am holy. Father God, I pray. In the name of the Lord. that you would take the scripture. I'm asking God that you wouldn't just bring it to life. I'm asking that by your spirit, you would help everyone in this place to rediscover your holiness. I pray God that we would begin to realize that the gateway to true, true happiness is a rediscovery of your holiness. So God, I pray this morning we would rub shoulders and we would connect with you, the holy gods. And I ask God that you would give us, please give us a fresh revelation of your holiness. I'm going to ask that you would stand I got to the end of the first service and I got right to this moment and Holy Spirit took me back to Isaiah chapter 6 there's a man named Isaiah he saw the Lord And when you truly see God for who he is, you will never be the same again. It says, Isaiah saw the Lord and he was high and lifted up and the train of his robe filled the temple. And the angels cried, holy, 
holy, holy. Isaiah rubbed shoulders with the holy God. He got a fresh revelation of a holy God and he said, woe is me. I have unclean lips. And all of a sudden in his vision, an angel took a coal from the altar, took the tongs, took the coal and came and placed it on his lips. And there was cleansing. And then he commissioned him. And that was the launching. That was the beginning of, of Isaiah's ministry. And God used him greatly. The book of Isaiah is a powerful book. And I'm here to say to you, church, I'm here to say to you, church, I'm here to say to you, church, when we rediscover the holiness of our God and God begins to impart a fresh revelation of his holiness, in our heart. It won't just change our life. It'll change our impact on this world. I don't know about you, but I want a fresh revelation of our holy God. Could you lift your hands right now with me? I'm asking God that you would give us A fresh revelation of your holiness. Holy, holy, holy Lord. Holy, 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 holy is the Lord God Almighty. Who was and is and is to come. The train of his robe filled the temple. Holy, 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 holy. I believe this morning. that God wants us to rediscover His holiness. And I feel the Lord saying to me to say to the house that as we rediscover His holiness, we will never be the same again. I really believe that. So Pastor Brad's going to lead us in this song. If you today want to rediscover freshly the holiness of God, God, I need a new mindset. I need a new focus. I need to get the goal thing right. I need to have a new standard, a new lifestyle. And you want to rediscover the holiness of God, Pastor Brad begins to lead us. I want to invite you to step out from where you're standing and come and just stand at this altar. And I, I, just, I just believe the Lord wants me to open this altar right now. And he wants to invite you to come. If you want to have a fresh encounter and rediscovery of the holiness of our living God, I want you to come. Just come. Just open your hearts. Go ahead, Brad. Just begin to lead us.
the Spirit of the Lord prompt me on something. I, I didn't want to say this. I, I really have no joy to say this, but I feel the Lord wants me to say this. There's a number of you standing here right now. There's something you're doing in your lifestyle right now that you know goes against the word of the Lord. And I believe that the Spirit of the living God is speaking to you and showing you and putting His finger on this that you know this is wrong. You know it goes against the Word of the Lord. And God is saying to me to say to you that His Spirit is the one who's going to convict you of this. But, but you need here's the encouragement. The same Spirit that's convicting you of this is the same Spirit that's going to help you to change this lifestyle and do what is right and honoring to the living God. And I just feel the Lord God just, just prompted me. It's, it's, it's a harsh word. It's a hard word. It's not an easy word to say. But I feel right now that there's, there's a number of you standing here right now that there's something you know in your lifestyle is a clear violation of God's word. And you've been trying to rationalize it, justify it, and you've been trying to, trying to, to make it what, what you know it's not. But, but the Spirit of the Lord right now is putting His finger on it. And I believe the Lord wants me to say to you, the same spirit that's convicting you is the same spirit that's going to help you. Hallelujah. 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 Come on, just lift your hands right now all across this place. Just begin to worship Him. Lift your voice for, for a few more moments, church. Come on, just begin to lift your voice. Give Him praise. Give Him praise. We bless your holy name. We bless your holy name, O oh Lord. 
that every head would be bowed and everyone's eyes would be closed in just a couple of minutes this service is going to close I can't close this service without asking this question and the question is this today was the day that Jesus came back you know that you know that you know that you're ready for heaven I meet people all the time that say I, I don't know I'm not sure I, I, I don't know I don't want you to walk out of this place uncertain. I want you to walk out of this place knowing that you know that you're ready when Jesus comes back. That if this would be the day that you died and stepped to eternity, that you know beyond any shadow of doubt that heaven will be your home. And our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed. And I just feel in my heart that there's a number of you right now that you can't answer that question with a definite yes, I'm ready for heaven. Because you don't know if you're ready, but you want to be ready. You want to be ready for heaven. Have you personally asked Jesus to come into your life? Have you asked him to be your Lord and Savior? Is he the center of your life? And in just a moment, I'm going to count the three. And if you'd like to be led in a prayer to ask Jesus to be the center of your life so that you can have your heart right, ready for heaven. After I count the three, I just want you to lift up your hand. And by lifting up your hand, you're letting me know, Pastor, I want to be led in that prayer. So I'm not going to prolong this. I'm now going to count to three. And if you'd like to be led in this prayer, I want you to lift your hand. One, two, three. If that's you, you just lift your hand as high as you can. And by lifting your hand, you're letting me know, I want to be ready for heaven. Yeah. God bless you. You can put your hands down. And if you lifted your hand, I want to lead you in this prayer. And we're going to join you as you pray. Let's pray together. Dear Jesus, I ask you into my life. Please forgive me of my sins. I have decided to follow Jesus. I make my peace with you. I receive you in my life. Today, I declare you as my Savior and my Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, Woodville, it's party time. Come on, let's celebrate. Come on, let's celebrate salvation. Now, there's a number of people that lifted their hand. If you accepted Jesus in your life, you made the best decision. And a few things before we go. Number one, if you don't attend a life-giving, Bible-believing church, we'd be honored if you joined us in the journey. Number two, on your way out, go to the wall that says follow. We got a Bible for you, a little booklet for you. They can tell you about our follow class that happens on Wednesday nights. We're there to help you in your new faith journey. And if this is your church, get into a connect group. Go to the connect wall. Find your place of serving. Go to the serve wall. If you're our guest, make sure you go to the guest lounge. We want to bless you. So, Father, I say thank you for our time this morning. And I just pray that this would not just be a sermon we've heard, but let this be a life transformation of a rediscovery of your holiness. I thank you for this amazing church. God, give us a great week. And I pray you give us many God encounters to impact this city our province in this world for you. Give us a great week and we give you thanks and praise in Jesus' name. Everybody said, Amen.
Pastor Brad's going to keep leading this song for a little longer. If you want to stay at the altar, you feel free. And if you need to go, God bless you.